Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, and Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Good evening and welcome to Breaking the Silence and welcome to my home here in the most beautiful city in the entire world, Houston, Texas. And it is great to have you with us this evening. We have a great program tonight and it was a program that we just scheduled late this probably less than 24 hours ago uh, because I had a cancellation and our guest tonight was kind enough. Uh, to say I will come on and talk about my story, my life, my mission, my uh, passions, and uh, things that she's doing uh, in the awesome state of Oklahoma that affects literally people in the entire United States. So it's going to be a great program tonight. You can get involved several different ways. One, you can just sit back and listen and enjoy. You may want to have a notepad and a pen uh, to be able to write down some things because every now and then, one of us, me or the guests, will have something worth writing down and uh, that you want to remember. Uh, but you can actually get involved tonight by calling in, and that number would be completely toll-free at 888-627-6008. And TJ at the BBS radio station, uh, just right down the road here, will answer the phone and patch you right on through to us. And would love to have a comment from you or a question uh, you can also uh, text me at 832-396-6525. I'm probably the only goofy person in the United States who gives out my personal cell phone number every week. But you can text me on there, and during the commercial break, I will uh, see if there's any questions that anybody wants to ask our guest. And then my awesome youngest son, Curtis, is in the United States Army, and he is in Seattle, Washington right now, and he's running the Facebook Shattered by the Darkness Facebook page. And you can look at it on their live, and you can also comment or put a question, post a question there. So that's the three ways to get involved. But most of the time, it's just uh, we ask you to grab a cup of coffee, grab a soda, glass of water, just sit back and relax, and just focus. I've always believed that if you will give us each Sunday night uh, 45, 55 minutes of your time, we will invest in you something that I believe will make your life better, more enriched, will maybe open your eyes to some wisdom that uh, our guests have and have experienced and be able to help you look for and continue to seek hope um, and be able to, you know, the Grammys are on tonight, no later on. You know, there's going to be another Grammys next year. There's going to be another Grammys the following year. 
but these guests that we have on here are really some of the most uh, powerful and inspirational people that I have ever met in my entire life. And uh, they've changed me and make me better people. And I know they can do that for all of us. So we would love to be able to have you get involved and just take it all in. Uh, I always like to start off with uh, something. As a matter of fact, this has been an awesome week. Had some great uh, conferences this week. I had a wonderful one yesterday that my guest and I happened to be in charge of, and we'll talk about that. But um, one of the things that I battle with in my own life, and I don't know if you do or not, but is self-esteem. Um, literally, when I shave in the morning, I don't like looking in the mirror very close when I shave because I don't want to really see what I look like because I'm not too fond of the way I look. Um, and I'm sure it's because of my own um, embedded seeds of thoughts, comments, negativism that uh, had been filled with me as a child. And sometimes it loops in a recording in my mind, and I still hear that. Uh, but I I am getting better uh, with that as the older I get. I'm learning to deal with it better. And I, I came up with a few steps uh, to maybe help you improve your self-esteem if you happen to be in that same ballpark uh, with me. Uh, you need to, number one, be aware about self-criticism. Uh, remember that those are only your thoughts, not facts. Just because I have those thoughts and emotions sometimes in my mind, it doesn't mean that's the actuality of who I am. Because I do believe I'm somebody valuable. I'm somebody that's a masterpiece. I am uh, a treasure because the Lord Jesus created me uh, the way he did. No matter what has been told to me in my past, I don't have to believe those thoughts all the time. So I need to be aware of my own self-criticism. And who is my biggest critic now? Me, myself. I, I am the one that causes most damage in me than anybody else in my life. And also, I need to rewire some of that negative uh, thought processes by filling it with positive affirmations about myself and in who I am. I also need to Always, and we get, we're all guilty of this, stop comparing yourself to other people. You know, most of the time when we excel, some of the times when we get awards or we get applause or we get promoted or, or we get to be the keynote speaker at a conference or whatever, other people will stand back and go, huh, who do they think they are? Um, and we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. There's a time, there's a place and there's a season for each of us. And there's certain people that are designed to fit in that certain role at that any given certain time. And do not compare yourself to the person across the room because you are your own individual person. And then you need to recognize your strengths and build on that the confidence that those strengths can create in you. We all have things that we are gifted with. We all can't play the piano. Uh, and hopefully some of you don't play the piano like I do, but I sure I love to beat on it till it begs for more. But we're not, we're not all able to do this. 
I have a, a awesome friend that plays beside me at church, and he's a trumpet player. I wish I could play the trumpet so bad, and he plays it so beautifully. But I, I can't compare my talent, my gifts, my um, special abilities to him because I don't know if he can play the piano or not, but he's he does a great job. Everybody's gifted and wired in a special way. Find out what your way is, what your gift is, and follow and try to stay in that lane. Number five, when you're feeling bad, uh, low self-esteem, and I got a feeling our guests may have some input on this one, be of service to other people because it helps create a good feeling, a good attitude of why I was created. And anytime that I feel low, I try to reach out and do something for other people because that's where I receive my healing. That's where I receive the most benefits and the most pleasure in my life when I can actually reach out and help one more person. Um, number six, don't be so hard on yourself and forgive yourself and forgive others and it'll help boost your self-esteem. And then also, lastly, is remember that you are not your past and you are not your circumstances. You are far beyond that. There is a destiny for you. There is a divine uh, game plan for you. And it may not be what the person is next to you because it's not going to be. It's something that is designed just for you. And take time to self-care. Take care of yourself. Self-care is not selfish by any means. And we all need to take time to take a step back, take some breaths, and pamper ourselves and take care of ourselves. And you are valuable just because you exist. Not because of what you what you do, not because of what you have done, but simply because you are you and you are special and remember last thing and then we're to bring on our guest remember your value doesn't decrease based on somebody's inability to see your worth your value should never decrease based on someone's inability to see your true worth so never Allow somebody to come in to your life and lower your price tag because your value is far beyond that. It is a pleasure tonight to introduce to you a new friend of mine, and I'll take friends as many as I can get because I need all of them I can get. I met her, we're going to talk about that, uh, up in Tulsa, and I got a chance to share in a conference that she was the head of, the host of, the hostess of uh, yesterday. Uh, out of Tulsa, and our guest tonight, and bring her on in, TJ, is Prima Donna Braddock, and I could read literally three pages of a bio that will just make your head spin, but one of the few things that I, I glanced at that really caught my eye was like, whoa, she's been on um, the the uh, uh, Tulsa People magazine she was featured in, and she was also on TBN's Praise the Lord out of Tulsa, which I love that program. And uh, she was a, a special guest on there. But just listen to this. 
She is the founder and executive director of Soaring Eagles YFS, the chair of the Girls Teen Summit, the host of her own talk show, and probably does such an awesome job that uh, she can outdo me any given day. But she is a therapist, youth, family, and marriage counselor, uh, a podcast host, an author, a transfer transformational coach, an ordained minister, a motivational speaker, an actress, and probably 20 other things. But most of all, she is our guest tonight, uh, Prima Donna Brady. Come on in, Prima Donna. How are you tonight? Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Dr. Williams. So excited. Well, and I'm I glad am, I was av available at the last minute. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming in just like I, I was available for you at the last minute on a cancellation. And if, yes. Life happens. So, it does. Uh, and I'm thrilled uh, that we had that yes. cancellation because you are going to be awesome tonight. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. So uh, yes. we, we met in Tulsa. Is that correct? Yes, we met in Tulsa. And um, we met at the Demand Project uh, conference. You were a speaker at the Human Trafficking there. And I was moved by your story. Uh, my husband and I, we both attended um, to earn CEU credits. And I'm part of the Rotary Club as well. And so it was a group of us Rotarians who attended. Um, we helped sponsor that event there. And again, moved by your story, very transparent. You don't hear a lot of men share what happened to them in their childhood. And um, I said, wow, he would be great. And so when it happened that uh, my guest speaker was unable to speak, I was like, hey, we have a slot. And I was very happy to know that you were able to fill that in. And let me tell you, you started off our conference with a bang. I just received an email text saying that conference was the bomb. So when you say the bomb, that means good. <laughs> it was good. And everybody keeps talking about your story. Well, it was it was great. I, I enjoyed it. I, matter of fact, listened to it all day long and uh, had a chance to be on the panel with some unbelievable people at the end, too. That yes. was really uh, powerful, powerful. And this is basically just for Tulsa or did you allow people to tap in around the country? Well, this was just really based in Tulsa, um, but my good friend, Athena's sister, um, and cries, she said, hey, you need to make this, um, uh, do it at Zoom so so many more people around the country can be part of this. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. I'm praying for the help to come on through. <laughs> you know, we, we may be able to uh, have you on a couple of weeks prior to next year's or the next conference you have, if you have more than one. Uh, and then promote it. And maybe some of our listeners would love to because it was some great, great information. And how many years have you been doing that? Well, this is just my second year. I um, collaborate with my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta. And um, and so I said, hey, this this went really good. We should do it again next year. And I was like, absolutely. And we started off with a really small crowd last year. And then this this was a bigger crowd this year. And I can only imagine it just keep, keeps getting bigger and bigger once the word goes, gets out. Fantastic. Now on this list, uh, the plethora of job roles, uh, things you do, things that you believe in, things that you aspire yeah. to. Um, yes. One of those um, makes you most excited to be a part when you get the opportunity to be which one? 
would be the one that goes, oh, man, but I get to do that. That's what I feel the best. I have to say when I'm on stage, yeah, when I'm acting, because I'm someone else. I'm not prima donna, which is the day-to-day life. And I'm someone else. But, you know, I was reading um, in the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. And as we're talking about trauma and my aging out of the foster care system, the one thing they pointed out is that those who have gone through a lot of trauma gravitates to acting because it allows them to be someone else than what they have to live through every day of their life. Now, yes, I have healed through that and I'm still healing, to be honest. I'm really still healing, even the age I am. But just having the opportunity to be someone else than prima donna that's where i come most alive with and to hear people say i can't believe that was you like that doesn't even remotely seem likely you played that character so well and um a lot like you i believe he had mentioned in in the conference that how you could just put on a smile you are a straight a student all that. And as you were sharing that part of your story, it resonated with me because I was thinking, "Mm, yeah, I know what that looks like. Because in the seventh and eighth grade, I got best smile of the year um, because I smiled so many times through my pain. I did not want anyone to see that I was this foster child. I was being verbally and physically abused, sexually abused. I did not want anyone to see that. I just wanted them to see the smile, the nice prima donna. And I end up winning a best smile of the year because they say she's always smiling. Yeah, I know what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, you know, I believe comedians are probably the one uh, role in the entertainment world that probably have the biggest mask on because I think they get on stage and they start laughing and smiling and joking, making fun about life when in reality it's really dark for them. Uh, That's yeah. Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry. I don't know if you are aware of him. Absolutely. Yeah. He came out with Medea and I don't know if you watched this documentary. Yes. But when I watched his documentary, I said, oh, that's where he got the gun from. Because when his aunt came out to want to shoot his father for beating him, I said, oh, that's where he got the notion to have the gun and and everything. So he made people laugh through his pain. But as you you notice, when he was doing writing those plays and he was able to heal through each story that he wrote, you know, and he was able to turn his pain into purpose that is turned to power. And he's one of the most powerful men in the in- entertainment world and is changing the trajectory of many people's life by just through laughter, but then some heartfelt stories, even through the laughters. You know, you, you said three P's there, the pain into purpose, into and power. power. Yeah. And, you know, because I think just taking like Tyler Perry, but then taking you uh, my story at first you don't you you leak it out you can talk about it but now he's a whole different person and he really talks about it in a huge way when at first he did not it was like yeah I was uh, hurt and abused um, but now it's like hey I, I, I'll get on that platform 
and talk. Tell me, Prima Donna, and I'll, I'll let you allow you and want you to go into however deep. What did you experience that changed your life that now you can say, hey, wait, that was my pain. But now I realize because of that, I have this mission in life. And it has turned into you're in a position of where you're helping a lot of other people with the power. So tell me a little bit about your backstory. Um, well, my backstory is um, my bio father, who is now has transitioned and is with the Lord. I thank God that he found Christ. And that was yeah. by me ministering to him when I um, was able to reunite with him when I was 16. Um, but before then, he um, he and my mom were both heavy drug addicts in East Oakland, California. I was born, raised in East Oakland, California, if you guys know about that time, especially in the 80s. It was high um, crack ep- epidemic era. And, well, um, I was two years old. And from my, what my birth father told me, he said, you were taken because your mom abandoned you in the Jack in the Box restaurant because she was so fixated on getting high. And it was from there I was bounced from one foster home to the next where I endured countless abuse, sexual, gang rape. Um, I remember going to one of my homes and I thought it was my forever home, only just to hear those words from my foster mother. You're only here to be a playmate for my daughter. It continued with you're dumb, you're stupid, you'll never be anything. You'll be like your mom who was a high school dropout. Um, she said I was dumb and stupid because I had a learning disability because of the cocktail of drugs my mother induced when she was pregnant with me. And um, I remember she told me that night I was bouncing the whole night because she had used uh, just a plethora of drugs and she thought she was losing me. And I always say that was the time that death entered in me, the spirit of death, because I struggled through suicide attempts. And I so from there, just just the ability of learning and comprehending information. I didn't know how to really read until I was 10 years old. Um, And then I had a severe speech impediment because of the trauma I had endured. And so just the beatings I would get from my foster mother, um, she would throw me into the closet, but at the same time would pray and go to church. I always, you know, refer to her as Mama Dearest. Because to everyone, it's like, oh, you got this little foster child. (laughs) And she would dress me up real nice, would do our hair. We wore really nice clothes. We were clean. I was. And and her daughter, she had a biological daughter. And you saw the difference. You could really tell that the love she showed towards her her, her biological daughter and me. And I would just get the worst. And I remember I was part of an anthology project. And I wrote in, in the book. And I had my um, sister, who I was raised with, read it. And I was kind of just scared to hear what she, her response, because usually everybody has their different narrative of what they see things in a house than yours. Their narrative can be different. And being that was her mom and that I was putting this out for the world to see. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, that's true. That happened. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, you were effed up. <laughs> and so what the story was is that my um, foster mother grabbed me from the table 
and beat me senseless. She threw me underneath the water and beat me until I um, passed out. And I came back and she said, this is how you treat disobedient kids. What did I do wrong? I didn't hold my knife and fork right. And for years, I was scared to speak or say anything because she would tell me to shut up. I was a people pleaser, uh, allowed people to just take advantage of me because I was afraid of losing a relationship or a friend. But then I found the strength inside that, no, you have to stand up for yourself. And I met a wonderful woman by the name of Dr. Vanessa Weatherspoon. And when she met me, although I had gone through high school and I finished high school, I always wanted to please my foster mother. I wanted to show her I can do this regardless if you think that I cannot. I'm going to prove you wrong. And I finished high school, didn't come to my graduation. Okay, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to finish college strong. Didn't come to my college graduation. Matter of fact, when I graduated, my ex-boyfriend at the time graduated from a trade school. I graduated from college. Um, I worked three jobs, put myself through school. She basically cut me out. And um, I went there and then she looked at my ex-boyfriend and she said, I'm so proud of you. You're successful. Unlike Prima Donna, she's such a failure. I had just been in school and again, I was crushed. And then I said, okay, I'm going to go to grad school and I'm going I'm to I'm go to ORU and I'm going to you know, get two, not one but two master's degrees, like how crazy is that? 18 credit hours a semester. Now usually a full-time is nine hours, but 18, that's double. So I'm I'm still just trying to prove to her, I can do this, I can do this. And it was Dr. Vanessa Weatherspoon who gave me my voice, taught me how to stand up um, for myself, believed in me. I was crushed, I was broken, I didn't trust anybody. And she just held my hand Throughout the whole process, she loved on me. She prayed with me. She showed me what unconditional love actually looks like. And I remember, this is the funny part of this story. I told the Lord, I said, God, bring someone in my life that could show me how to make it. That can be an amazing mentor. It comes, has the same background I have, can really understand my pain. And when I met Dr. Vanessa, she first met her. We're sitting at, the, you know, she took me out to eat and she's telling me, oh, yeah, we had I had a Cosby like family. Um, I played a piano. My mother's an educator. My father's a college professor. My brothers are lawyers. I graduated from Spelman. I have an engineering degree. And I'm looking at her like, and I said, hold up. Literally, this is what happened. I went to the bathroom. I said, Lord, <laughs> you, you didn't understand the assignment. I said, get someone for me that understands me. She didn't come from a broken family. She came from a very healthy family. Are you serious? He said, exactly. You need to know what a healthy family looks like. You're so used to dysfunctional family. You need to know what a healthy family looks like and a healthy person looks like. How can I take you to the next level of your life if you're only around dysfunctional people? That's your mentor. Now go back out there and continue to hear what she has to say. I mean, literally, I was like, okay. So that was the transition from where I was, the pain, She's walking through with me. She sits on my board. 
She wrote a forward for my book, Cards of Life, Finding Your Winning Hand. It's an anthology book that I collaborated with many of the teen girls and young adults who I've mentored throughout these years. And she's just been a rock. She's been a rock. And I also have to mention my best friend, Dr. Nicole Coleman. We've been best friends since junior high. So having those two in my corner really, really helped me get through it to find my purpose. And they're still there. How, <laughs> how important is... Uh, having that one person, two people that take the time to invest their energy and unconditional love in you when you didn't know and probably had never received unconditional love before. What kind of difference did that make? It was kind of scary. As Dr. Vanessa would you know, tell people, and I didn't know I had reacted this way. Um, she would say, I just, I, I had a big issue with trust. I would keep her from a distance. I didn't know because I, I was so used to operating that way. And she said, I would keep people at a distance, even my best friend, you know, we were bet we've been best friends since we've been 12, 12 years old and like for years. And she still didn't know the details of things that was going on with me. I would cry and say, I want to commit, kill myself. I was 13, 14. She couldn't understand and she would be mad. And I didn't really go into details till like later through life. But it's so funny because she said she had to find out. She said, if you wanted to find out about somebody, just see what they have on the bookshelf. So she would see things on my bookshelf because I was trying to find my own healing because uh, I didn't trust people. So I would, you know, read a lot, read my Bible, pray, and just read a lot of self-help books. And she started finding out what was going on with me by looking at my bookshelf. And then she started probing like, is there something you want to tell me? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, Lord, teach me how to love. Lord, help me uh, heal. What, what's, what's going on? And so um, from there, and I had to have been in my mind, I said, we've been friends since I was 12. I didn't finally open up to her until late 20s, my 30s. That's a long time of just not telling someone who you call your best friend right. what's going on. And and she understood because I just did not trust people. Um, trust for me. And I love uh, 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 Eric Erickson. I'm sure you know the eight stages of development. And that was my healing time for me when I went to Oral Roberts and I said, okay, I'm not crazy. Cause I was, I was always depressed. I was always depressed. And I fasted so much to where I turned, I got to a size zero. I said, I can't fast anymore. Like what's going on. And the first um, theory that he said that he, the stages of eight stages, he says is trust versus mistrust. If that trust is not developed, you go to the next stage with mistrust. And I went through many stages of mistrust. But the beautiful thing about it is when I went to Oral Roberts, I thought I was going there. Remember I said, I'm going here to get two master's degrees. I'm going to show her that I can be an achiever and I'm successful. But instead, Oral, Oral Roberts went through me. It mm -hmm. went through me as far as the wonderful professors and teaching I received. So the professor told me, told the class, those eight stages of development, you bring Jesus in. And what would Jesus say in those areas that you did not feel like you fully developed? Wow. Wow. And, so, 
And that's what I hold on to. And that was my aha moment. And I use that every time. And that's what I use with my clients uh, who are dealing with severe trauma. It's like, what would Jesus say during this this stage of your life? What, what where is he? Yeah. And Great so, stuff. Yeah. 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 Hey, well, we're going to take our only commercial break, 888-627-6008. On the other side of this break, Prima Donna, I want to ask you, did any of the the comments about uh, self-esteem, low self-esteem at the beginning of the program that I shared, how did you deal with that in your life? So on the other side of uh, that break, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And then I want to talk about how much did faith play a part of your healing and how you're helping people heal uh, yeah. because of your yeah. story. We'll do that right after this commercial break. If okay. you want to get involved, 888-627-6008. And we'll be back in about a minute and 22 seconds. Hang with us. HCI Publishing, that brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years, and the damaging effect of keeping everything silent about that abuse for 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes & Noble stores, Amazon, and Books A Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Welcome back. We have with us tonight uh, Prima Donna Braddock, uh, just an unbelievable uh, amount of different hats that you wear. It's like that Green Acres guy that he's the mailman today, he's a judge tomorrow, and he keeps putting different hats on. I thought I had a lot of irons in the fire, but Prima Donna, I think you beat me by far uh, because you're a therapist and an actress and motivational speaker and an author and a radio show, and I can just keep on going. Uh, with these organizations that you deal with. But how did you get to that point after being told that you weren't going to amount to anything like her biological daughter was, uh, that you were always going to be uh, the second notch down on the ladder, if not lower than that? How did you build up eventually and get through that glass ceiling, maybe, of uh, low self-esteem? How did you accomplish that? I have to say a lot of prayer. I had a pastor. She too has transitioned to be with the Lord. Uh, Bishop Dr. Ernestine Cleveland Reams. She was the senior pastor at uh, Center Hope Community Church. Just seeing her fire. And I, now see, her backstory is she grew up in the Church of God in Christ. Church of God in Christ did not believe in women pastors. Nevertheless, she took a leap of faith and said, I know that I can preach. I know that I can lead a congregation. And despite of all the naysayers, 
she went out and she followed her vision. She followed the call of God, regardless of what other people said. And she started off with four members that included her husband and her two children. And from there, she started off in a storefront church, and then moved up to um, a bigger church. We had close to over 2,500 members there. Um, we were just doing phenomenal things. I, I like to always say that often say that I believe she was probably the first one that held like these really huge conferences. She had the EC Reams International Women Conference and people from all over the world would come. This was before internet or any social right. media. And there was a lot of people that came out. And I saw that if she can do this and she bought a transitional home, I remember there was a hotel across the street and there was a lot of prostitution across the street from our church prostitution, drugs, a person got killed over there and she prayed and she said, Lord, please bless me with that um, that hotel. I'm going to turn it into a transitional home, which she did and do a lot of prayer. And she just taught me what it meant to pray. And I've learned that when you pray, it goes in the future for you. Prayer is like, it just speeds on through the future. When you start praying, it just lands those seeds out there. And that's what helped me boost my self-esteem by just saying, you know, I can do this. And um, at times I still struggle. I do, I do, but I, I shake it off. I I end up being Miss Alameda County, which is preliminary to the Miss America pageant, which is huge. I never thought I was pretty because I had suffered acne and, and was called all types of names again by my foster mother and, and everything. But I just found the strength inside of me. I guess I had that same strength when my mother was using those drugs. And I just had that fight. And often I hear my dad, my foster dad, didn't speak much of my foster dad. I call my dad because he raised me. Um, we called him the gentle giant. He was six feet tall, six, no, six, six, gentle giant. But he just didn't have the backbone to stand up for me. Uh, he was being bullied by his wife too. So he couldn't really stand up for himself. I can remember hearing him say that you have so many things that you're doing. I can't even keep up. Because even back then, I stayed busy. Yeah. I was working full time. Um, not football on the weekends. I could take a fried chicken my first job. I was playing the piano. I was on a dance club. I was part of a drama club and I was running track. And my dad's like, I can't keep up with all your stuff. But then it hit me because my best friend, Dr. Nicole Comet, said to me, you know, you stay busy so you won't have to feel your pain. So you won't have to, you know, feel what's going on. So, you know what? You're a chemist. I'm going to need you to stay in your lane. You are not a therapist. This is before I went to ORU, but she was right. I don't do that now, you know, even though I have, I wear a lot of hats, I just think it's inside of me because I end up facing those things that I was running from when I right. attended Oral Roberts University because it, it helped heal me and it just boosts my self-esteem little by little by little by little. Yeah. So you experienced the pain, you discovered purpose and how to help other people. Tell me now what you want to accomplish in the years that you have left, and you know, the rapture may be over the next few months, who knows with the way the world's going. Uh, but in the, in each day when you wake up, what do you want to accomplish in that day that just gets you in, in your insides 
so burnt and inflamed with passion? What is that? Mm, what is that that I want to accomplish that yeah. day? Is that that I finish a task because I don't like to claim ADD, <laughs> but that I finish that one task that I that I did it. Um, soaring eagles is is my baby. It's yeah, tell me listen, about that. I never woke up or I shouldn't say, you know, you have some people say, I want a nonprofit. I want this. Now I'm like, really? Well, oh, okay. It, it, that was not my dream at all. But when the Lord came to me many years ago, when I was at Oral Roberts and he said, I want you to go get my teen girls because here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, well, excuse me, Oklahoma at the time was number one nationally for uh, women incarcerated. Number one women being incarcerated and now we're number three but guys i want you to get my teen girls before the prison system get them i said i don't know nobody here in tulsa i'm going back to california this is too country for me i don't know no shade to tulsans but i'm from california i'm a city girl it's like no god you asked me to come to oral roberts i spent my two years here i'm ready to go he said you don't tell me what to do i tell you what to do that's not fair. <laughs> so I said, all right. And I kind of peddled with it and we started doing some work, volunteer work at um, McLean High School, where at the time in 2005, you know, they had a high pregnancy rate and high dropout rate and start working with girls there. I was counseling them. And um, one of the girls said to me, Miss um, Pre, it's nothing wrong being 16 or pregnant. Excuse me? I said, what? Hold on. You don't have a job. You don't have an education. What's going on? Her mother tearfully came to me, said, please help my child. I do. I know we live in the projects. I do not want her to become a project. I know she can be successful. Please help our family. And I'm happy to say, instead of her rocking a baby, she found herself rocking London Fashion Week as a petite model. <laughs> under my leadership and mentorship. And she has her own business. She travels the world, it's been to places I haven't. That's totally fine. Her mother forever thanks me for helping for helping her. And then other families start coming to me. And then she started referring to other families. And then my husband was working with the boys and God said, okay. And then he said, do the Girls Team Summit. And I started Girls Team Summit in 2012. And that was growing. And he said, well, I want you to put a nonprofit together called Soaring Eagles Youth and Family Services, where our mission, in short, is to help youth and families heal from intergenerational family trauma by rewriting their story. That is a big mission statement. Rewriting their story because I come from an intergenerational family trauma. My mom was in foster care. I was in foster care. Um, Many of my cousins was in foster care. My grandmother was abandoned by her mother. Didn't never learned how to read and write. She was left with her alcoholic father. I believe she ran away at 11 and 12, joined a band, met my grandfather, was on drugs until the day she died. Many of my aunts and uncles were on drugs and have died because of complication of years of using drugs and alcohol. And my cousins, all of us have been in foster care system. I had a cousin that was on drugs for 30 years and it took her to lose her leg for her to finally get sober. 
I said, their healing needs to take place. We need to, I need to stop this. And it stopped with me. I've never used drugs. I've never been in prison. I do not have a criminal record because God came into my life. And so Soaring Eagles is very passionate to me because I wanted to show other youth and families how to rewrite their story. Although the story for me should have looked like aging out of foster care within two years would have been an addict or have been on drugs or incarcerated. But instead, God took that pen and said, no, your story is going to look like this. You're going to finish off school. You're going to get three degrees. You're going to start a nonprofit. You're going to be voted as woman of the year, 2018. You're going to help girls get accepted to Harvard University, get academic college scholarships. And the list goes on. That's what your story looks like. Not the story of what the enemy has said it's going to be, but the preferred story that God says it's going to look like. And and to break the cycle. We got to break the cycle. And so that's how I've been breaking the cycle. And because of that, my, uh, one of my sisters, you know, she was out there on the streets um, doing things, you know, I should say adult entertainment. And um, she saw me going and achieving it. My sister is very smart. She's smarter than me. She's just naturally smart. But she too went on and left that life and went on and got an education. She has three degrees and my baby brother's in college now. And so, but my other one, other ones, my baby sister's a drug addict and my brother's incarcerated, but we're, I'm praying that of deliverance for the both of them. Yeah. In in your world with dealing with youth, you and your husband with the husband with the man and the boys and you with the girls, what do you think is the one thing that they're missing the youth of today, that the parents are just absolutely not even close of hitting the target of what they need to do with their own kids. What is that one thing that they are desperately needing from uh, us, from their parents, from somebody that loves them? What is that? The the Bible says slow to speak and quick to listen. They're not listening. Remember, <laughs> that jokingly says, um, you know, remember that um, video that went viral? Listen, Linda, listen. <laughs> yeah. We have to listen <laughs> to our kids. You have to listen to our kids and, and allow them to speak their truth. Even when we may be like, oh, where is that coming from? We have to listen to our kids. And I have three kids of my own and they're all different. They all have their own personalities, every last one of them. But they um, are unique in their own ways. And I really take the time to listen to them. I really take the time to listen to them and hear what they have to say. I want them to feel like I'm hearing them and I'm understanding them. And there's, there's times like my five-year-old, yes, he's, he's going somewhere. He's definitely a leader. I have to keep saying, Lord, he's a leader. Yes. He's got suspended from school for two days. He's in kindergarten, but God, he's a leader. Yes. He's a leader. (laughs) I'm praying over him. And my son's like, mom, are you praying for me again? I said, yes, I'm praying for you again. Because I don't have the energy to even if I said you, I just, just, What's going on, son? What's going on? So um, listening to, I, that's what I wish my parents would have done more. You know, yeah. 
they grew up in an age you are you are to be seen and not heard, right? And we need to listen to them. We don't need to just say seen and not heard, but we really need to even on the things that we we may not want to hear. You know, um, there was something that happened with my thirteen year old that really crushed my heart, and I had to ask him some questions. And though it was hard for me to hear it. I asked him some questions. I was on, and he was honest. It's not fair to him for me to just lash out when I ask him the question. And parents have to understand: maybe we may not like the answers that they give us, but give them that door of opportunity to talk to us and know that we're listening. Don't lash out. So when he told me, I was like. As this is going to take me a moment. Um, I am upset, but I'm glad you're on. You were honest with me. I'm just going to pray. But what that did was it just told him. I said, I, I told him. I said, you understand? I have an emotion, emotions too. Thank you for being honest with me. I, I don't want to lash out to you because I don't want you to stop telling me or talking to me. I, I want you to still feel safe to talk to me. And then I asked him, "Is was there anything that I've done wrong? Was there anything that I did that could have helped this situation? And he said, no. Um, no. And I said, okay. And I just, and I think any other person, you know, would say, oh, I would have done this. I would have done that. But then he would have stopped talking to me. Because I, and that's the one thing we need to do as parents is we need to listen we need to listen. We need to, and, and but I'm not telling saying that allowing our children to be disrespectful. No, right. But to allow them to speak their truth in a, in the most and, and tell them be as respectful as you can, but speak their truth. Yeah. So we can work through it. So we got to We have to listen to our kids. That's great. Great wisdom. With the last minute or two we have, um, um, where do you think? The church is missing um, the boat of being the hospital for the hurting. And how can we be better to be able to help our communities in a in a grander scale than what we are now? That's with a these kind of issues, because those issues that you're dealing with, with those girls and those boys, how does the church missing the boat in that area and how can we improve? That is such a loaded question. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I have spoken to who have left the church because of we call church hurt. Yeah. Leaders being put in positions who do not know how to effectively speak to someone in a loving way. A soft answer turns away wrath. A harsh answer stirs up anger. That's what the word says. But yet we don't practice that, Right. What they're missing is they don't listen to understand, but instead they listen to respond. We as a church need to listen to understand instead of listening to respond. We respond out of emotions instead of really listening to that person. A person's feelings, as you know, is coming from a past experience that is hurtful, but yet you haven't dealt with your own stuff and maybe what they're doing is triggering your stuff or whatever it is, but you're not really listening to that person to understand. 
And there's many times that I have been in situations that I have listened to understand and just sat there and say, I hear you. How can we move from here? What can we do from here? Because it sounds like the reason why you're reacting this way is because of this situation. And so I think we need to really take the time to hear um, people, and especially in leadership. I want to say this in leadership. I can honestly say, though um, Soaring Eagles is not registered as a a religious group, you know, I believe in um, having the um, Christian principles as a leader. It's very important to me. And I can honestly say, I'm going on 12 years of hosting this amazing girls team summit. I have never had anyone ever say, oh, prima prima donna spoke to me harshly or or there's been um, disagreements or just whatever it may be, but it's never been an establishment where there's gossiping going on or just any of that hurt. I I refuse to allow that to happen. I have a prayer group every Saturday and it starts at eight o'clock central standard time. And the one thing they say is that, guys, I really feel heard and listened to. If we can take the time to listen to understand instead of listening to respond, we can help with this healing process with everyone. Yeah, that's powerful. That's good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Last minute that we have. Um, how does it, can people get in touch with you uh, if they want to reach out to you? If they want to support you, if they want to pray for you, if they want to send you a comment, what's the best way to get in touch with Prima Donna? So my social media handles um, is um, on, goodness, Instagram, Prima Donna for Real on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it is Prima Donna Braddock, L-P-R-E-M-A-D-O-N-N-A, Braddock. And then I have my uh, website, SoaringEaglesYFS.org. So those are the three places you can reach out to me. Um, I'm good about responding back to you. I want to thank you, Dr. Williams, for allowing me to share this space with you. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. The conversation just went by very quickly. I knew it would. um, I knew it would. I'd love to come back on the show, but this has been great. I'd love to have you back. Hey, and if somebody wants to get a hold of the book, how, what's, do you have a book that they can? Yes, Amazon, Cards of Life, Finding Your Winning Hand. Um, you can uh, order it on Amazon. It's the quickest way. Prima Donna okay. Braddock, it'll come up. Cards of Life. Finding Your Winning Hand. Yes, yes. I have a story okay. behind that too, the Cards of Life. <laughs> that sounds great. Finding Everybody needs to get hand. that and uh, order that right now and it'd be good reading for you. Prima Donna, thank you yes. so much. I'm so glad that we divinely connected in Tulsa yes. and then this Saturday, this past Saturday, yesterday. Uh, and yes. then I got a feeling we're going to be doing some things together in the future too. So thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thank you. Take care yeah. and blessings to you. Blessings to you and tell your husband, thank you for sharing uh, you with us and our listeners this evening. Oh, absolutely. Take care. God bless. We'll see you soon. Okay. Like we do each and every week, we always like to close the program to let you know, no matter what you have happened and what's going on in your life right now, I want to promise you and let you know, as surely as I'm sitting here on the 19th floor of this tower of residential places to live right here in Houston, 
that no matter what you're going through, there's always hope, folks. There's always hope. Today's a day to break your cycle. Today's a day is to not settle for second best. Today, the day is to find your destiny, your purpose, and take your pain to the to the place to where it can give you uh, not only purpose, but power to help other people. Never give up on hope. Thank you so much. Join us next week for another live edition right here on Breaking the Silence in Houston, Texas. God bless. Have an awesome, awesome week. We'll see you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence. Thank you.